Can you believe it? We're back. Uh, Jason here. And uh, of course, Wyatt is here. We are back. And then I started driving down the road with the kids. I'm like, how do I say mass cast? I don't remember how I did it. I think it's mass cast. Then I started to practice it. My kids are looking back up at me going, Dad, are you okay? Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome back to MassCast. Can you believe it? We're back. Uh, Jason here. And uh, of course, Wyatt is here. We are back. It seems like it's been a while. And it has. It's been... <laughs> Resurrected from the dead. Almost, yes. <laughs> so we must... I mean, we've humbly apologized before, but this is like... Uh, we aren't worthy, Wayne's World. Like, you know, we're just really sorry. Life got in the way. A lot has happened with us. If you follow us on uh, Memory Jogger, we discovered the 80s. We kind of took a mass cast hiatus because for mask, mass cast, we typically go almost line by line with either the comics mm-hmm. or even the, the TV show, the cartoon, rather. So for me, doing the homework, a 20-minute episode takes me more than an hour typically to get all the notes write it all down be able to script and even still add in my two cents of hey did you see that t-bob did this or i can't believe they did that so we we um well i got a lot busier we we had uh i've had a a child in the in the interim jason has had some life issues come up uh or life events rather so have i aside from a a child so we ended up making a decision to kind of put it on a hiatus and do something easy memory jogger was easy because we just picked stuff at random and literally through yep. jogged our memory as we talked about it so we apologize once again but we kind of got a kick in the seat here very recently what didn't we jason yeah um gosh now i'm trying to remember who it was that reached out to us and uh and sent us a little note and Anytime we get feedback uh, as far as, hey, you know, we missed the show. We wish you would uh, do some more mass cast. Uh, the person that reached out was binging the whole series that we have up there and noticed it had been, what, over a year that we hadn't done a mass cast. So we're like, I, th- I think it's time. Let's let's get back into the seat. And we're all kind of prepped and ready to uh, review some episodes. And then it dawned on me as I'm. <laughs> going back to the website and looking what the homework was, we were going to hit the comics. So in, uh, you know, honor of continuity here, <laughs> we're kicking off MassCast 79 when we're going to dive into the comic books that were released by uh, DC Comics here in the U.S. 
back in uh, 1987, I believe. I'll give you some details coming up, but uh, yeah, just for continuity's sake, you know, it's let's uh, let's keep things going. So if you are binging this, you won't hear any, uh, you won't have a gap in there. But uh, those of you who uh, essentially have finished what we had before, and I can't remember exactly what episode we were on, sixty something. We're going to try to come back around to it, you know, after we get through the comics here. And uh, we really want to finish. At least I I really want to finish. I'm pretty sure you do, too. Wyatt, we do. And, that uh, was our finish goal. Finish this cartoon series. That was our goal from, from the very start when we started this, what, about eight years ago now, this mass cast. It was we wanted to go through every episode, including the already prejudged, you know, racing series. <laughs> uh, but we threw curveballs, like we've said, in the way we've decided to go open it up, not just the cartoon, but to talk about the comics. Uh, we've had interviews along the way. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, Michael Mead is who reached out. He's actually okay. from Adelaide, Australia. And that's what he had mm-hmm. actually said. His comment to us was, hey, Jason and Wyatt, I recently rekindled my love of mask and discovered your podcast. Listen to all 99 episodes over the last three months. I've started to collect the toys. Yeah. Uh, I've started to collect the toys again, which I had when I was a kid. Naturally, I bought Condor first, which was the first one I got as a kid. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed the podcast. And the format was excellent. Love the Wyatt intros and the production. Highlights were the interviews with Doug, Brendan, and Sharon. Still Mm -hmm. have hope for a a movie, maybe for the 40th anniversary. He He has a... Emoji of fingers crossed. <laughs> Just wondering if you will record any future episodes of MassCast. A bit sad I finished the final episode today, but I'll get my Jason and Wyatt fix now with Rediscover the 80s. Thanks again, my <laughs> Michael Adelaide, Australia. We went back and forth, but especially, you know, just, hey, thanking and reaching him out. And then I sent it over to Jason and said, hey, yeah. uh, we kind of got a kick in the pants here and um, maybe we should yeah. rekindle it. We appreciate that, Michael. Um, it's always nice to get feedback like that and know that people are finding the show you know, eight years, whatever you said, uh, after the fact. Uh, so essentially, this is our 100th episode, counting in all of the Mass Cast chat podcasts that we did. And I think I numbered them in the feed, but I wasn't counting those along with our regular episodes. But uh, so that's why we're technically mass cat 79 and have a hundred episodes in the, in the bank. But um, yeah. So mass cast 79 and we began our trek down podcast lane. That was our, uh, actually our intro to podcasting Mm -hmm. was on May 23rd of 2012. Wow. It's been longer than that. It's been (laughs) uh, almost 11 years of podcasting. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, it's been a uh, been a crazy ride, and yeah, like Wyatt said, we just had things get in the way. We're trying to simplify our podcasting and and trying to smush like a recording time together, and that was the easiest way to do that and and to keep our love of podcasting going. But yeah, I think we've you know just we're committed to finishing this this podcast and essentially finishing the uh, the cartoon series. So we're going to keep that going. Thank you, Michael, for reaching out and uh, yeah, keep the feedback coming guys. Um, Cause we, we definitely want to end on a high note here and uh, <laughs> not leave you uh, not leave a cliffhanger out there before we 
you know, finish the show. But if you're ready, uh, I say let's uh, dive into some comics. Let's start from our cast. And you've been waiting to say that for a long time. I have. I was actually trying to practice when I got this. No kidding. If you put this in or not. I was actually on the road. I read this this message on, a, I think it was on the highway. No, I was at the kid's school. I read uh-huh. it then, waiting for to pick up the kids. And then I started driving down the road with the kids. I'm like, how do I say mass cast? I don't remember how I did it. I think it's mass cast. Then I started to That's practice good. it. My kids are looking back up at me going, Dad, are you okay? I was like, oh, sorry. I'm just thinking of something. It left it be. So That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, we have covered comics before, way back in MassCast 28. We first covered the mini comics that were included with the toys with uh, Eric from BoulderHill.net, which unfortunately has disappeared. <laughs> I went over and tried to see if... The site was still up today. It is not, but uh, he does have uh, his Instagram and Facebook accounts for boulderhill.net up, just not active for about five years now or six. So we miss you, Eric. If you're listening, uh, high five to you. And thanks so much for uh, everything you've given to the community over the years. Uh, Also, MassCast 36, we covered the first series of comics published by DC Comics with Eric again. And that ran from uh, December 1985 through March of 1986. So we got four regular issues there. There was a preview issue. It was uh, published in several different DC comics of the time, Superman, I think Action Comics. I've got several of them that have the, it's a 16 page preview issue inserted like in the middle of the book. If you are a uh, completist uh, collector like I have been uh, with the comics. But uh, DC came back in February of 1987 for a regular series, but it only lasted nine issues uh, until October of 87. So this essentially volume two of comics is what we're going to be covering in the next uh, several shows because we're going to split it up. We're going to do three issues per podcast. So we're going to go through issues one through three on this episode, and then we'll get to the others uh, down the line. But I just wanted to um, talk a little bit about the artists and the writers. Pretty much the same team throughout all nine issues. Michael Fleischer penned the scripts. We've got Murphy Anderson and Kurt Swan, who handled the covers. Swan was also the penciler for the entire book and the covers. And then Kurt Schaffenberg handled the inks and Bob LaRose did the colors. So like I said, we're going to split up the nine issues into three podcasts and we're going to talk about the story a little bit, maybe even the art, some, you know, what our favorite panels are or even pages and uh, even talk about the ads in the issue. Cause I enjoy this, why just collecting old comics in general, mainly from the eighties. I love looking at the ads and seeing what was on there. So we're going to talk about those two. And these are available online. We found a uh, a better site, I'll say. There was one that we originally clicked over. It was just a bunch of pop-ups and not good. But uh, we're going to put a link in the show notes if you want to follow along with us and page by page and look uh, as you're listening to the podcast, because we're going to be kind of going through each page of the story and the also the ads and everything to talk about. And then one fun thing we're going to do is rank each issue. So after we cover 
all nine issues, we'll tell you which one was our favorite. And we'll create a list essentially of one through nine of our favorite to least favorite. And then uh, I'm assuming we'll agree why it, if not, then maybe we'll create our own lists. If we come to one that we don't agree in the positioning on the one to nine <laughs> ranking here, but I guess we'll see. But uh, if you're ready, let's go ahead and uh, look at issue one. The Ice Age Cometh is the name of the story. Mask is essentially on assignment with the PNA in Antarctica, while Venom is uh, building a carbon dioxide regulator to mount on Switchblade and turn anything into ice. So just looking at the cover, this is kind of a strange cover to me. The cover has Matt reaching from Thunderhawk at Switchblade, who is passing by all awfully close. It looks like he's almost trying to board a switchblade in midair. Right. He doesn't have his mask on. He's holding it kind of on the other hand. And we see Bruce in the passenger seat of Thunderhawk taking the steering wheel, you know. And below we see that Boulder Hill is down there. So this is essentially happening in the sky above. So not too sure how I feel this about this one. I know you have to have your heroes like face front and center. But if I remember correctly, the comics have taken away their secret identities and all that, as opposed pretty, to the cartoon series. Pretty much. And that's one of my comments here later on in the, uh, I think, issue number two. Mm-hmm. And we will get to it. But basically, they there's no uh, illusion is the ultimate weapon there. I mean, seriously. <laughs> they kind of pick and choose, I think, as we go along in the book, when to use the, the secret and, you know, the, the hidden... Boulder Hill headquarters, right. that sort of thing, when it seems like everybody, at least on Venom, knows about it. But <laughs> just just go through the ads real quick. So there was a fun M&M ad on page two, packs of fun for everyone. Mm-hmm. And you see the uh, early cartoon characters that are uh, the M&Ms and different little things that they're doing. On page five, there's a Captain Crunch ad, which... Uh, it's like a word scramble. Mm-hmm. If you do uh, free him, you could win a share of a million dollars. A share. <laughs> a share. I don't know how big your share is there, but I love these uh, classic Captain Crunch characters, the Soggies and the uh, Major, what's his name? Or uh, crap, the, uh, the robot looking guy. Yeah, he was one of the... Uh, the scramble answers. I can't remember exactly off the uh, top of my head what his name is. Skip over a page. There's a advertisement for the new Wonder Woman coming out, which is pretty cool. It's yeah. uh, got a dark background. And first the Dark Knight, then Superman, the Man of Steel. Now DC does it again. And you've got uh, a big picture of Wonder Woman there. Flip all the way over to page 11. Do you remember this laser tag? I remember laser tag. I do remember the TV show. I don't recall this. What looks like a metallic almost robot structure. It's probably a dude, but he's all silvered up almost like uh silver Hawks, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I don't remember watching the cartoon series. I do remember the photon show, which was live action, which is laser, you know, similar laser tag. This was a Saturday morning show, it says here on NBC, but I don't remember really anything about uh, the story behind it or, or any of that, but no, I, I do remember could, seeing the toys, you know. Well, I remember you could interact. There was a way you could interact with, I think it was this 
if you bought the whole set, like the vest, uh, receiver, and the gun, you could mm-hmm. play along. But I never understood because even as young as a child, I realized, you, t- you know, how do you know if you're shooting someone <laughs> on the TV because it's already <laughs> been filmed? Yeah. So out of you know, technology back then, I was still trying to figure out how it was being worked. <laughs> All right. One more page over is a advertisement for Legends Crossovers. And I don't know really anything about this. Mm-hmm. Why and I really aren't much of the comic book fan. So uh, this really doesn't uh, have any uh, reference point to us on page 21. We get those lovely classified ads and yeah. each comic always has these fun little <laughs> classifieds, be a strong man, be a magician, uh, order these micro bugs. I mean, <laughs> uh, just some fun stuff here. The sky scope, Telescope and microscope, two-headed coins to fool your friends. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then there's a uh, a picture of uh, Bill Cosby for American Red Cross. That's a little uh, dated. PSA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A uh, few more here. Flip over to page twenty-five. There's a uh, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns advertisement. That was a Frank Miller series of books. And this is actually uh, advertising a hardcover edition and the trade paperback, which is a basically a grouping of a series of comics, like a complete story. So that looks pretty cool. I have not read that, sadly, uh, even though I'm the Batman fan. I have read uh, Batman Year One and some of those other stories, but I haven't read The Dark Knight Returns. Two more left, and they're on the very... Last two pages of the book, we have the Ertl model kits that says uh, locomotion, and it's got this uh, old pickup pulling, you know, the uh, sled in the yep. mud. Looks pretty cool, and uh, you get a hint of some of the other models there. It looks like an airwolf there. That's what it is. That's is airwolf okay. and Bigfoot right there. Yeah, yeah. I, this first time I noticed the airwolf was there. I, of course, I noticed Bigfoot, but very cool. And then the last page, there is a tornado warning, which is the, uh, uh, this is a advertisement for a, a remote control car called the Tornado, which uh, I remember those style of like buggies, you might call them, you know, doom buggy type RC cars. I had one, not sure which model it was, but right. it was similar to that. So that was the the uh, ads for issue one. That was pretty fun. All right. Well, let's just go page by page. We'll come back up to the top and uh, I'll let you talk here for a minute and talk about the uh, Ice Age Cometh. Right. So we got the set is supposed to be in Antarctica. You got a couple, I would call them semi-round buildings in the back. You got Matt and Hondo kind of standing and walk it, watching over people. I see Lifter, so I imagine one of the aides is Bruce, but I don't see Bruce right. uh, like front and center. And then it looks like these guys are either have scientific equipment, which is probably what it is, mm-hmm. that they're loading onto a sled, that they're pulling behind a, a snowmobile. A couple other guys taking what looks like core samples of the ice, and it's there that we discovered that there's something solid basically down under 
Uh, no yeah, pun intended. I thought this was funny though. Like under the the title, it says the mass team is uh, here volunteering their expertise to assist with the research. And yet you have Hondo asking Matt, any idea what we're doing here? You know, <laughs> right. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that was kind of funny to me. That moves us on. And uh, Jason, you can take it from here. Yeah. So we meet this professor for the first time. He's not, I don't know if he's working for the PNA or if he's like a separate like contractor, but anyway, they're in the mask plane and uh, he gives Matt this list of components that he needs to build some kind of machine. We're not told really what it is or anything. And Matt says, we'll be happy to get the stuff you need. And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm on vacation. So we'll get started when I get back. <laughs> so uh, down below, then he's out on the lake in uh, Maine where his, he's vacationing and the uh, water starts to move. He gets these like large ripples in the water. We flip over to the next page and these tentacles come out of the water and pull them under. And we don't know exactly what in the world's going on. And then we're taken to this like air show and Matt and Bruce are skydiving. I'm going to do some, Fancy skydiving moves, it says, acrobatics for the crowd below, which include Scott and T-Bob. Mm-hmm. And that leads us on to the following page where it looks like there's some distress. Uh, it looks like basically Matt is falling out of the sky and his, his, his parachute's tangled up. It's um, actually Bruce. Yeah, Bruce is. It's hard yeah. to tell between the two. They it don't is really. Because the, they yeah. are very similar. The suits are very. They're not like the distinctive yellow. Yeah. And silver. And the next cell, you can sort of make it out a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, they're trying to detangle it, trying to, you know, Bruce is saying, save yourself, save yourself. And down below, it looks like they're trying to pull something off. Uh, mm-hmm. You got Scott pointing at the adventures saying, T-Bob, look, Dad's pulled his ripcord, but he's still hanging on to Bruce. And <laughs> of course, now we got the human side of T-Bob, which we point out back in the earlier mm-hmm. mass cast where he's saying oh i can't look i can't look my <laughs> ocular circuitry can can't stand the sight of it um, <laughs> but they end up falling and they're gonna have to take a tumble to essentially land they found some fresh lawn according to matt to land they do a roll and oop and they're all good to go and then Matt is the one that cracks the joke here. We promised the crowd to show. Bruce just went a little overboard. And Bruce is the one that says, not funny, Matt. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that moves us to what looks like Ultra Tech, where Venom is getting a list, to, a shopping list rather together. Yeah, they show up and uh, there's a guy working there at this equipment company. And he looks at their list and he says, it's going to cost them a million dollars. You got that on you? And they're like, no. <laughs> and uh, Rax is like, show him, Dagger, what we do have. And while he engages Torch, none of the uh, none of these issues, they're using the voice commands to activate the masks. It's all no, just I noticed boom. that too. But uh, yeah, so he's set some stuff on fire. There's some security guards that rush in and Rax uses Stiletto to pin one of the guards against the wall. And then Bruno is there and he uses Magna Beam 
as a magnet, essentially, to pull the guns away from the guards, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't remember that being like a magnet in the cartoon series, but whatever works. And yeah. then uh, we get some chuckles here with Rax and Dagger. <laughs> Rax is like, we'll take care of these turkeys, Dagger. And turkeys? <laughs> I don't see any turkeys. You know, his uh, wonderful... Persona. Dumb sense of yep. humor <laughs> or yeah, persona. And then uh, after that, they get all their stuff that they needed together in like a big stack of boxes. And Rex uses a walkie to tell Mayhem that they're all set and it's time to clear out. And Mayhem puts a switchblade above them, uses a uh, claw mechanism to drop down and through a skylight and then he picks up all of the cargo with Switchblade, and they are out of there. And then we get uh, back to Mask here. Right. We get basically that are still dealing with from the, the parachute episode. You know, Matt's worried about Bruce. And Bruce is saying he's fit as a fiddle. And all of a sudden we get the little beep, 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 which we have no idea what the sound is. It's probably not the same consistent one that we comment about on MassCast. <laughs> so they're looking at they say the Camaro's coded electronic dash signal. I'm like, yeah, come on. We know what the rock. <laughs> the Camaro. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Matt quickly says, Scott, you got to get home. And of course, oh, dad. <laughs> so, you know, the answer is no. And, yeah. Know, there we go. We see Thunderhawk racing off and they're talking with Dwayne from the PNA trying to get the intel. Uh, they see that there's been a brazen robbery at Ultratech, made off with a fortune of high-tech components. They don't know what for, but it's the same list that the right. doctor happens to need for his like miniature experiment. Call back right. to the list that Matt got from the professor there in Antarctica before he went on vacation. Right. So then they get going and they end up switching to jet mode. And this is where they call the get the backup crew started. And mm-hmm. we get what would typically be the same call up, you know, mask. Although you see it on the watch, it just has the lettering. It's not the the icon or the right. logo of mask that we see on the on the cartoons. So you have what looks like Hondo back at college, which I don't know how you jump from Antarctica back to college, you know, <laughs> instantaneously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, they're starting to do their Schooling is okay. Why don't we just make this abbreviate? So we're just gonna make this 15 minutes and go. So they they leave out, and then we got uh, Jacques Lafleur. He's getting ready to fell a tree when he gets the call, and basically he just stops and ends up what looks like knocking down four trees instead of one. Mm-hmm. And that leads us back to Venom. Right, and now they're at this titanium alloy company. And uh, switchblade overhead, and it's got another, uh, I guess, uh, piece of uh, titanium there in its grips. And you've got all the Venom vehicles out front shooting at the business there. So the drawing's a little bit off with some of the vehicles. Like Piranha is so skinny, but that gives you the idea of what's going on here. Well, you're saying that's off. You got. At the very bottom of this page, you got Hurricane that has red taillights on the driver's side and amber <laughs> ones on the passenger side. Just yeah, 
yeah, colors are a little bit off there, but Rax tells Mayhem to check his radar because, of course, Mask is on their tail, and they kind of head out. Curse Tracker and those pesky do-gooders, you know, as he always says. And then we got Mask on the scene now with uh, Matt instructing Hondo to use Hurricane against Jackhammer, and then Jock's uh, Volcano Van against uh, Stinger. Nobody's taking... Well, I guess Matt does say that he wants... uh, mayhem and racks himself right so hurricane gives a big dose of its hypnotic strobe lights from the headlights to paralyze dagger and put him to sleep and then uh we've got a little fight here engagement with stinger and volcano and miles is up in switchblade lamenting that uh why is it that whenever we go one-on-one against mask we always take a beating well, maybe you should employ some new people. How about That's that? Right. So uh, scroll here to the next page, and they're talking about this Contra world. Like some, it's almost like a evil PNA organization or something. And I vaguely remember that popping up somewhere. I don't think it was in the cartoon series. It might have been in the uh, earlier comics. But mm-hmm. Venom is essentially a piece of that organization not necessarily the main organization like they are in the cartoon series but they mention here mayhem mentions that the success of this mission is vital to contra world and so he's doing everything he can not to blow it uh here but we get uh matt he says uh he's having everybody kind of concentrate on the aftermath of the battle here Jacques is using his sandblasters to smolder some flames. We've got Tondo and Hurricane using his rear freeze cannons to take care of some of the flames. And then Matt says something about using a layer of super retardant foam on that uh, big tank of whatever that was that was uh, uh, on fire. So I don't know. I guess that came from Thunderhawk. That's the thing. It was not very well. I mean... They only got so much room in the cartoon or these cells, rather. Yeah. And I get why they're saying this. They're spelling it out, what they're doing. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, you could have used that cell for better action or something. Yeah, it is hard to kind of cram everything into these panels. But uh, that's why they got them trying to, you know, lead the story uh, along. But anyway, we get back to them. They're kind of huddled here after the, the battle. And then they... Uh, they get a list of the uh, specific items. Right, with a blue Thunderhawk in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a was... red Hurricane. So I'm just saying, they <laughs> messed up the colors. Yeah. But anyway, they're getting the print out from Thunderhawk uh, on the list. It's the exact same one. They're trying to call the professor. Then they realize they can't call him because he's supposed to be on vacation. Then we get over to Venom, who's in their hideout. It looks like a big, huge hangar. They're trying to put the finishing touches on this full, supersized working model of whatever the pressure's invention is. Then we're taken back out to Mask, where they're it looks like they're they're trying to shatter the ice that's formed around these two uh, cruise ships. Mm-hmm. And they were able to launch. I don't. What were they? Did thermite bombs. Thermite bombs. Yeah. <laughs> and they broke them, broke them free. 
they used infrared beam from Spectrum to de-ice those ships as well. So you got a, a basically tandem attack going on to try to help free these ships. And then we're back to inside Thunderhawk. Uh, they're looking at a carbon dioxide regulator that's mounted on Switchblade. And, and this is Miles actually radioing to Matt. So unless the PNA sues for peace on my terms, I'll turn the entire U.S. into another Antarctica. So now we know basically his plot. Right. And we see what looks like switchblade and jet mode fogging up or starting this carbon monoxide generator over what looks like a cable bridge, perhaps San Francisco. Yeah, and he's got uh, the professor in the passenger Mm -hmm. seat Mm -hmm. that he's uh, kidnapped there. And then we're back to the what appears to be the Golden Gate Bridge, and they see Switchblade up there, and he's getting away, but they can't do much about it because, take a look, it's pure ice on the bridge. But So here we go. We're analyzing stuff like we do on the cartoons. So you've got Hurricane, which is now a six-wheel tank, right? Could traverse anywhere it <laughs> needs to go on top of the volcano van, which looks like a monster truck on its own. <laughs> Just saying, those two should be more than capable of getting anywhere they need to go. Yeah. So uh, then we have Hondo using Blaster to as essentially like a blowtorch to... Crack the ice off. Yeah, crack the ice off the bridge and all that. And then uh, we've got Thunderhawk now chasing after Mayhem. Well... So we get uh, Bruce actually, he says he used the, the mask computer to lock on the switchblades radio. And then now they can continually monitor his flight path and they are tracking him down. And we find that Mayhem is uh, going after the Statue of Liberty now. And he's going to freeze that and make a statement. Essentially, you don't do what I tell you to do. We're going to freeze up everything so he he puts the coating of ice on there and says that there's it's been weakened by decades of neglect and that's why they had to restore it they're talking about actual you know life events here when they did have to restore the statue so it freezes and it looks like you're too late it starts to crack in half but thunderhawks on the scene Bruce has a uh, lifter fully energized, he says. So he jumps out of Thunderhawk <laughs> as Matt kind of lowers him to the ground there, swoops by. And then uh, Bruce uses lifter to save the top half of the Statue of Liberty and then essentially put it right back into place again. I don't know how, <laughs> how it was going to stay up there after it was just sawed in half, but I thought maybe again, put it on the dog. ground. We're adults, you know, yeah, analyzing I, this I thing. Yeah. yeah. In the same way, oh, there just happened to be a, a, a crew standing by. Naturally, there was a crew standing right there. Yeah, yeah. Waiting. With uh, cables and, uh, you know, this huge crane to make sure that that was going to stay up there. So that was uh, very convenient. And then we're back to the chase of Thunderhawk going after right, Switchblade. It appears like they're in the clouds, perhaps even that fog that Mayhem's even trying to churn up. Well, this got me too, because they were tracking him. They were using the radio to 
track him down his flight path and now they can't find him in the clouds <laughs> right but they're now trying to pinpoint the exact location of what looks like a switchblade but then you know, miles says you're having a hard time tracking me well don't let oh don't don't let that bother you sorry the ink is off so anyway they they've somehow ended up behind matt and they got him in the crosshairs and all mm-hmm. of a sudden click and they've missed the missile the missile has missed thunderhawk the professor uses his need to essentially Knock radio Matt. Yeah, he radios Matt, and it's like, "Watch out!" <laughs> and then we got what looks like switchblade nose diving, crashing into the ocean. He got Matt saying, "Good grief, mayhem's in a tailspin. There's no way out." Then all of a sudden, they're, "Hang on, professor, I'm coming as well." Mm-hmm. So we see what looks like as as switchblade is its tail is the only one's up. You see a rope ladder hanging from Thunderhawk, uh, which is hilarious because, you know, Matt puts Thunderhawk into like an auto hover mode and he know he just dives in. He doesn't even use the rope ladder. <laughs> True. Um, but he dives down. We see Switchblade semi-buried in the silt or sand underneath the water. Matt cracks open the canopy, grabs the professor miraculously swims up to the top. We don't know how deep this is. It could be only 20 feet deep. And then the professor gasps for air, you know, thanks him, tells him to climb the ladder. And the, and what looks like at first, it looks like Matt is going to go back under, but he doesn't. Uh, you see in the next frame that they're, uh, they've got a crane mm-hmm. peeling out or pulling out rather switchblade. And we got, uh, Jacques Lefleur replying to Hondo saying that well, I, we think that Miles Mayhem has cheated death before. We haven't heard the last of from Venom. And normally, if this was a cartoon, we'd hear a laugh by now. But that, that was the end <laughs> yeah. of this issue. No, no laugh uh, after that. It does say in the panel up above that again and again, Matt dies beneath the frigid, murky depths, but he can't find mm. uh, Mayhem. He must have. The current must have swept him away, I think is what he says. So, yeah, that was an interesting end. We get Switchblade just hanging there on that barge, that crane, pulling it out of the the water from the barge and seemingly mayhem uh, perishing. So, fun way to end the story. And I think the first thing I wrote down was, I hope they continue that and continue that storyline in the next episode. You know, but what did you think overall, I guess, of this story? Actually, I it wasn't a bad story at all. There's some of these that we've talked about, I think, in the past where some of these I get it's you know, it's it's another avenue to get money. But some of these just seem like they could have been a good cartoon and why they didn't put the extra effort into making these a cartoon. I I won't know. But uh, this one wasn't so bad. The artwork like I we kind of joked about they got the colors mm-hmm. wrong on certain panels but overall i think it, if if we could have seen this in a cartoon for me i'm a cartooner i like the visual reading the comics is okay but i like the the motion i guess the mm-hmm. in-betweens and all that but i overall i thought it was a, a decent story about how about you yeah i thought that story was okay uh i can see it fitting into the the cartoon series there's a few things that they can do in the comics that the cartoons can't like the the security cards having guns and you know they're using magna bean to 
pull those guns away from the guards. Well, of course they're not going to have guns in the, in the cartoon series, but right. it seems like these freeze rays are always something the villains used in eighties cartoons. And so that was kind of fitting. I thought, yeah, they could have used that in the cartoon series. And I like the cliffhanger at the end. It's like I said, it's interesting to see if they're going to tie it in the beginning of the second issue, which of course I know about now, but maybe you don't the listener. I wonder if, Switchblade will be as good as new since it was dumped in the ocean next time. You know how that always happened in the cartoon series. Well, Mayhem finally crashed it into the lake, and uh, here he's got a shiny brand new one in the next episode. You know, there's no no continuation. So I did like the hover mode on Thunderhawk. I had not remembered him doing that uh, in the cartoon series. Did you remember that specifically, having like a hover mode? No specific one but we made a kind of a negative comment semi early on where he was like they would attached a crate to the bottom and he just magically took off from that instead of right yeah um i think that was actually uh, or anything like that where we were oh in the in the in the landing remember when he he landed off the bumper the jets yeah perfect landing i'm like how do you Okay, whatever. It's a cartoon. I think, that, I think that was in the infamous Panda Power episode, if I do yeah. remember right. Yeah. One other thing I did note was it was interesting that Rax was almost trying to take or, or trying to do his best Starscream earlier in the comic and saying that he could do things better than, than Mayhem could. I thought that was interesting. I think Vanessa was more of that role in the cartoon series, but uh, that pops up again here in the next couple issues as Rax is trying to take things over from Mayhem. Uh, Interesting angle there. Any particular panels? We talked about some of the ones we didn't like, but anything that popped out to you as you're flipping through that you uh, enjoyed the most? Actually, the cover. Because you got everything. I say everything. You got quite a bit of depth in that cover page. You got Matt essentially walking out of Thunderhawk onto the wing of Switchblade. Um, <laughs> it's well, ridiculous, but at with, the same time, yeah. With Bruce trying to, you know, do the Dukes of Hazard, I'll drive it while you fly it or you jump out. You got <laughs> from above, it's obviously looking up, up in the sky, and down below you see Boulder Hill with Rhino getting ready to, or yeah, pulling out, rolling out of the, the garage there. So in that way, that's great. the The rest of the comic wasn't nothing stood out like, okay. in, in depth to me. How about you? Fair enough. I there was one that really stood out to me, and that was the comic page number twenty at the bottom is the one where Switchblade is circling the Statue of Liberty. I thought that was pretty well drawn, mm-hmm. and that panel stood out to me among. Uh, the entire issue, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to draw like ice and smoke without it looking like clouds, you know? So some of them, when I'm going through the panels and I'm, I'm seeing them for the first time, I'm like, is it smoke? Is it clouds? Is it ice? What is it? And it's just hard to differentiate that when you're, you know, trying to, you have to essentially read along and figure out what's going on. Oh, okay. I know what that's supposed to be now. So It was a little tricky there, but all right. Well, that'll do it for issue one. Of course, we'll put it in the first slot for now. We'll see if issue two is going to be better. And uh, issue two is titled Masquerade. 
And here's my little summary. Venom scrambles to claim a new leader while Matt employs a master of disguise to trick the Venom team that Mayhem is still alive. So obviously it is going to carry over into the uh, second issue. And uh, quickly we'll go through the ads. Uh, we had another M&M's ad on page two, and it was a little bit different than the first one that we saw. They're taking a uh, dive into a chocolate pool. <laughs> and then we have you know, the cartoon M&M's holding the plane and the peanut flavored M&M's. And then on page, let's see, I think it's uh, seven and eight. We get a double, uh, uh, two pages back to back for Mile High Comics. And, uh, you know, this is how you order things back in the day through the yep, mail. Yep. So you didn't have uh, the Internet, didn't have eBay. Mile High Comics, I've ordered some comics actually through eBay at their store there. But this is how you did it back in the day. You want uh, something specific here, a Batman or something. You see what the cost is. You I guess try to uh, mail it in before somebody else orders it. I don't know how that works, or maybe they uh, wanted you to call. I don't see. They do have a phone number here. So <laughs> that was uh, pretty fun to see how you ordered comics back in the day. The next one was on page 13, and it's the Intergalactic Trading Company. And some uh, action figures here or they call them collectibles. I guess they are action figures. So they're yep. selling the three and three quarter Star Trek action figures about the size of GI Joe for two fifty each, where you can get a set of four for eight dollars if you mail it in. And there's some other uh, Star Trek memorabilia here: some iron-on patches and an official price guide for Star Trek and Star Wars. Pretty fun stuff. Yeah. And then uh, we get on page 14, a teaser for Captain Adam uh, and a new comic coming out. And uh, I, I'm assuming then or new uh, story. And then on page 23, flip all the way over there. You get our classifieds again. Mm -hmm. All those fun little products you can mail in and get. Of course, the tough man, it seems like he's in every episode or every uh, issue. <laughs> Be a Magician, uh, Comics for Sale, the uh, Bodybuilding Course. I don't know. I guess they, since they're, uh, I guess they think that nerds are people <laughs> that don't work out or reading these. You're going to, you know, get buffed up here. Flip over a page. It's for the uh, Detective Comics 574 here, which is the 50th anniversary issue. 572, my bad. So, uh, yeah, Detective Comics, I think, might be the longest-running series because it's over 1,000 now. I think I have issue 1,000 when that came out. Oh, wow. Just to, uh, just to have it, essentially. But that's, I think, the longest-running one. Flip over to page 29. We get a little teaser for Shazam. And that's uh, got a new movie coming out wow. soon. The yes, second one in the in the series. I, I enjoyed the first one. Uh, then page 30, we get our subscription form. So come join the DC universe and for just 75 cents a month or less, you can order your favorite comic superhero. And it's got a list there, including mask of all the comics you can get. If you pay in advance, it says uh, if you order by the year, it's just $9 a year. 
which now you're you're paying probably at least four dollars for a new book <laughs> at your local comic store. So I'm sorry, eight dollars if you get two or more titles a year. So yeah, pretty uh, pretty darn cheap back in the day. And then a couple other ones here. Page thirty five is a that Legends crossover event again, and then on the back page we get a nice one of Bigfoot. And the model kits again for Ertl. And uh, oh, just seeing this old Bigfoot, that's some nostalgia right there. Oh, yeah. The original big and crunchy, it says. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and then it's the same little lineup of cars down below, except they traded out Bigfoot for that pickup that we saw in the first ad uh, from issue one, still with Airwolf sitting there. So that was fun. I also wanted uh, this uh, issue starts the letter from the editor. Actually, there's in this issue. And this is really cool. Uh, over on page 33 and 34 of the book, right before these last couple of advertisements, gives some insight into the people behind the series. So I want to just kind of go through here. I don't know if I'm going to read this whole thing, but it's from the editor who is Mike Gold. And he says, uh, to start things out, welcome to the world of mask. Usually we'd like to officially welcome you in our first issue, but we decided to use the two pages and another. We normally devote to our letters column to expand our exciting premiere saga. So we're welcoming you this month instead. Actually, this isn't quite the second issue of mass. Last year, we ran a four issue miniseries that was so well received. We quickly decided to start up a regular ongoing series. That's something you should remember about us at DC Comics. We're really easy people. You tell us you like something and you want to see more and we'll do more. Better still, if you write us and tell us you don't like something, we'll know what to avoid doing in the future. And he goes on about where you can write in to uh, get your question in here to the column. And then uh, I think it's later on in this uh, on the second page, he talks about the people uh, behind, you know, the uh, artists and everybody that are making the book. And he says uh, about Michael Fleischer, uh, he was writing the series. He was a natural person to select for the assignment. He wrote for our previous miniseries, had not remembered that. Uh, before co-editor Bob Greenberg, I sat down with Mike to plot last month's premiere issue. We prepared by studying the toys, watching the television show, and reading everything we could find, including some of the Kenner's own notes and the notes from the television series. We thought we knew just about everything there is to know about Mask. Mike Fleischer knew more, a whole lot more, all the characters, all the vehicles, all the organizations and various relationships therein. It's a big task, and Mike came through with shining colors. That shouldn't be surprising. In addition to being a comic book writer and novelist, Mike is a respected researcher. In fact, back in the mid-70s, he wrote definitive encyclopedias on Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. A comic writer since 1971, at one time or another, Mike has scripted Jonah Hex, the spinoff series Hex, The Warlord, Black Orchid, The Spectre, Batman, uh, Shade the Changing Man, and many other characters, okay? And it gives a little bit more about him. Kurt Swan is our penciler on Mass. The penciler is the person who takes the writer's plots or complete scripts and 
visually interprets them into a comic book story, drawing his work in pencil form. Pencilers work to varying degrees of details. Kurtz are extremely tight. It's hard to find a more legendary penciler and comic storyteller than Kurt. In fact, when executive editor Dick Giordano asked me if he would like to help and get Mask off to a flying start, I specifically asked for Kurt. Past 30 years, Kurt has been the primary penciler on most of the various Superman titles, and the vast majority of people reading comic books today grew up reading his work on The Man of Steel. Uh, working with Kurt is a privilege, he says, and equally an honor at work is inker Kurt Schaffenberger. If Kurt Swan was the primary Superman artist of the past three decades, Kurt has got to be the runner-up. And the only reason he's the runner-up is because Kurt also worked on such classic comic superheroes as Captain Marvel, some of the other sundry Fawcett comic superheroes, Spy Smasher, don't know any of those. <laughs> Job of the inker, by the way, is to render the penciler's work, and you guessed it, in India ink, uh, delineating the work and adding some detail and atmosphere along the way. A bad inker can ruin the work of a good penciler, and a good inker can bring out the hidden qualities of a newcomer. Needless to say, Schaffenberger is a great inker. It must be known that Kurt Swan and Kurt Schaffenberger have shared a lot of penciler inker credits in the past. Once we secured Mr. Swan on mask, the first and only person we asked to ink the series was Mr. Schaffenberger. Okay, so there's a little bit of history on the people behind the story. I wanted to get that out there. So anyway, that's a little bit of that. Let's uh, go ahead and jump into the book and uh, tell me what's going on here with Masquerade. So we got the front cover. We got what looks like basically a dual uh, action mm -hmm. going on. You got, of course, the mask logo at the very top. You got what looks like a skyscraper on the left with Raven and Vampire shooting at Rhino with Matt jumping out. On the right, you see what looks like Miles Mayhem. And in fact, the title is Miles Mayhem is back. And mm -hmm. he just has his two fists up there like, yeah, I got him. I got him type of excitement. <laughs> and then you got Outlaw shooting uh, horizontally. So we don't know exactly what he's shooting at, but. I would, it, mm -hmm. I would argue it's a different a different look, different cell. Uh, then we move on to the Masquerade, where we see a big, huge cruise ship with what looks like a lot of people on it. It's titled the Barania. Something like that, yeah. Basically, it's a charity benefit, which is funny. I've never heard of a charity on a cruise ship, but we'll, we'll <laughs> go for it. But the party's going on, and of course... Uh, the following page, we have the two biker buddies of Venom, Sly Rax with Piranha. We got Malloy on Vampire getting ready to attack the, the cruise ship. Uh, we get them deploying, so we get Vampire switching to little jet mode and the Piranha sub ejecting and going underneath. What looks like the crowd are thinking that this is going to be an exciting celebrity tour. They even start... <laughs> throwing out names of the times you got one saying maybe it's linda evans and another one thinking it's don johnson you remember course, who linda evans is i remember linda evans from uh, dallas yep and yep. then don johnson and of course don johnson from miami vice yeah <laughs> and then you got uh, malloy basically saying uh ladies would you believe and then they get your introduction they, yeah their introduction of floyd malloy 
and Sly Rax of Venom as they basically, well, Sly Rax is climbing up over the railing. Yeah, they are, are after the jewels. So they're telling everybody, you're cash and valuables, please. And Malloy makes a uh, example here out of one of the security guards that pulls a gun and shoots his little pellets at him, whatever. It bounces off his chest and causes him to drop the gun. And then I guess this is on the ship or no, this is, this is later. This is later. Yeah. So later, which there's no transition there, which uh, it might be happening at the same time, but it should say meanwhile or something, <laughs> you know, Matt and Scott and T-Bob are at this theater for this guy named Adrian Armand, man of a thousand faces. And he's supposed to be this master of disguise. And he's out uh, as Abraham Lincoln on the stage, giving his uh, four score and seven years ago speech. The next page uh, shows three images of famous or infamous people that he can portray. Albert Einstein, Marilyn Monroe and Hitler. Then they come back to the crowd and Matt gets his uh, little warning on his watch. Scott's like, oh, no, sounds like trouble. And afraid you're right, son. And T-Bob, it's your job to take him back to the house. <laughs> I'm out of here. Right. But he he gives a little insight into this. And he's like, it's awfully hard on Scott when I run off like this. But he understands that Mask plays a vital role in helping maintain world peace. So he's trying to justify uh, T-Bob as the babysitter as he goes right. out and fights crime. But uh We've got uh, Dwayne from the PNA coming up on the Thunderhawk computer now and telling him what's going on with the cruise ship. And then, you know, he's telling him, well, this has been the third robbery in two weeks. Mayhem, uh, since he's gone and out of the picture, they've just gone completely amok, running crazy and <laughs> robbing whoever they like, you know. So now we're back on the boat and after they get all the jewelry and stuff from the rich folk. Sly notices that uh, Thunderhawk is on them. And then uh, what looks like Sly Rax and Malloy, they're trying to carry the loot out, but it's a big, huge duffel bag orange, but it's duffel bag. But Malloy's a little frustrated because Sly Rax is saying, hey, move it. Why can't you move faster type of discussion? And so he lops it at Rax, who kind of like your situation there, Jason, when you were getting that, Medicine ball thrown at you and you hit the pipes. <laughs> um, anyway, we're fast forwarding back to. Yeah. Past. Yeah. You'll have to uh, work. We're, we're doing a call back to memory jogger or episode on school stories. That's exactly it. <laughs> so, and then we see uh, what looks like Matt flying above with Thunderhawk looking on at the, basically they're screwing off. So maybe that's gives him the edge. Mm. So the two run off, they go to get, get in their vehicles with Matt taking off after Vampire. But then it looks like Matt does a U-turn, lets Vampire go uh, because he yeah. sees that Rax, uh, he missed, somehow he missed Rax getting underneath of the Piranha sub, taking a hit at the the underside of the, bo the boat, the ship. And then Matt, you see kind of a dark feature. It looks like uh, the ship is lofting towards the yeah. left. or Lost uh, power. Right. But Matt has initially put a magnetic bomb on our tracker or whatever thing on, on vampire and is able to pull vampire. But then he sees essentially starts thinking out loud or thinking 
debating how he's going to let Venom go, but there's a ship that's sinking with thousands of people on it. So eventually he disconnects that magnetic hold to go yeah, put the magnetic the hold back on on uh, the ship. And I think this is, in a way, interesting, but also that whole far-fetched thing. Because I see this, even though they're using magnetic, I see this as a almost a Star Trek you know, tractor beam concept because they mm-hmm. end up, he even says he ends up towing the ship back to shore. And again, this is the adult mind in me going, <laughs> there's some serious horsepower <laughs> on those jet engines to be able to carry that however many thousand ton ship on the water. Granted, <laughs> I know you can float things and pull it, but man, that's a lot yeah, of gas. A lot of I weight. don't know what kind of fuel you got in there. And how big of a tank you got in that little tiny Camaro, but you can't be pulling that, you know, a thousand miles to the closest island. But uh, anyway, here we are reading into it. You see uh, what looks like Matt's back at the mansion, although it looks a lot smaller. Yeah, yeah. looks like a farmhouse. We see in the cartoon. <laughs> it does. Um, anyway, he looks like he had just uh, walked out of the shower. Right. He's watching. He's got a big screen. Yeah. Uh, of course. And a woman is giving a news report and it says uh, experts speculate that these crimes are product of an internal struggle for power within the Venom organization arising out of the recent disappearance and presumed death of the organization's leader, Miles Mayhem. So the news is all over who these people are and what they're trying to do. Uh, She continues, the Venom terrorists are competing for promotion with the Contra world to try to get a leadership position and going on to all this speculation. And then, you know, Matt is taking this all in. And then we get, and this was fun because we've talked about this on uh, mass cast, you know, when we're talking through the cartoon series and venom and their hideouts and stuff, we actually get a venom hideout, like a, an actual headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's this uh, snake-like mountain structure, not necessarily like Snake Mountain, you know, that Skeletor lives in, but it was interesting. There's a, a panel later with the vehicles out front that I really like. But anyways, they're inside the, the Venom headquarters, is what they call it, and they're all kind of snarveling, you know, about uh, Mask and what are they to do, who's going to be the new leader of Venom and all this and then all of a sudden we get mayhem that walks in and they're all taken back. Miles, is that you? And they're like, no, it couldn't possibly be him. Well, he comes in, he uses the Python mask, which is cool because it has these like snake, like tentacles that come out. And, you know, Bruno says he thought he was dead. And he's like, uh, is that what you were going to about to tell me? And it's funny. I don't feel dead. And he wraps these tentacles around his neck and he's like, I'm, I'm choking. Please let me go. And he lets him go. And then he takes the mask off. We see it is mayhem. And uh, he's like, I'm in an irritated mood with all your squabbling. You know, Rax is kind of put, he puts his arm around him. And uh, it's really great to have you back with us, Miles. And, of course, uh, he takes it as a grain of salt here. <laughs> and uh, I know you would never harbor disloyal ambitions. So he goes off to uh, 
rest, I guess, is what he says, and leaves the, the Venom agents there. Well, as we get to the next page, we learn that it's this Master of Disguise guy that has the Mayhem face on, and it's worked like a charm, and this uh, really is going to be good for the plan kind of a thing. And we're still not knowing exactly what's going on, but mm-hmm. then we truly find out what happened to Mayhem. Right. We're seeing a, what looks like an ambulance stretching in someone, but they don't find an ID on the, on the person. So then we see them loading it into the ambulance. And then on the way, or the next cell shows us that there's Mayhem on the stretcher as the doctor's basically saying, hey, we'll have you to the hospital soon. Next page, we get them screaming, the ambulance screaming towards the hospital. Nurses in the room turning on the TV and telling the guy he's going to be fine. It looks like he just had a little boating accident. Basically, just looks like they're kind of the nurse back and forth to the mm-hmm. patient. Then we get the TV turned on. Basically, he's watching as the world spins or just putting that. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, we get basically the doppelganger of Miles Mayhem, but saying, it's me, Miles Mayhem, the world's most beloved international terrorist. And the guy's like, and Miles, the real Miles, is stunned. Uh-huh. He's breaking in on the network and basically saying that he's not dead. And uh, uh, the real Miles is saying, that's an imposter. Mm-hmm. Well, we're back at Boulder Hill, or actually at Boulder Hill for the first time in this series. They're watching it, and they're they're just as stunned about this as uh, everyone, but someone is commenting, doesn't say who, that Adrian Armandi is the world's greatest living impersonator. So they've already, oh, it's Bruce saying it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're basically saying it could be this impersonator or, or uh, likeliness. Go ahead. Yeah. Andy. No, I was going to say, I think that was all part of the plan as we, we kind of determined that it's uh, Matt that set all this up to, have this guy go undercover and then try to get venom. Right. So yeah, they've made the call up and we're back at the hospital, but basically there's a a gentleman walking in, essentially bringing his lunch. It looks like his lunch anyway, into the room and mayhem clocks him on the head, takes his white coat (laughs) and starts walking out towards uh, basically making his way, his getaway. And then we're taken to what looks like the Venom layer. Could almost pose, although it doesn't have the the Cobra ears, but it could. It's, it looks snake-like. It almost could be a, yeah. the Cobra Commander's layer if they wanted could, it to be. Could be, yeah. Or the little Godzilla resemblance there, too. Very true. Yeah, so it's somewhere in between there of uh, a snake and a cobra and a 50-million-year-old dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> anyway... Well, we get all the vehicles out front of the lair and we get Mayhem here talking about uh, this scheme. And that's when we get uh, the real Mayhem walking in. And what are you talking about? I'm the real Mayhem. No, you're not. And then the one in the white coat from the hospital, nice little roundhouse punch here to the chin. We see some, I thought it was blood at first, but it's supposed to be, I think, parts of his skin coming off mm-hmm. because he's like, what happened to it? Well, it's theatrical party, you meathead, referring to Dagger, and they put him in the, lock him in the dungeon. You know, it's mayhem 
figures out the plan, what's going on here. They were trying to trap them to uh, to go to the PNA headquarters, you know, to uh, essentially attack Mask, but they were going to be ready for him. Well, Rex thinks they're not going to show up, but Mayhem says, nope, we're going to go ahead and go and we'll be have the upper hand once we get there. This is all kind of weird that they're going to have this huge battle or uh, whatever, uh, <laughs> try to execute this plan right there in front of the PNA headquarters. So anyway, Matt and the vehicles are all set around outside, of course, Rhino and Condor, Thunderhawk, I think Thunderhawk, I don't know. Some of these colors I think are off again. Uh, then we cut back to Venom's headquarters. We got uh, this Adrian guy locked away in the dungeon. He's like, I got to figure out a way out of here so I can warn Mask. And, uh, of course, he still has his uh, makeup kit, I guess. They didn't yeah. confiscate that. So he talks like a woman's voice. And these two cronies they got that are guarding the place while they're gone. We don't know who they are. Uh, they walk in. Help, help. And, oh, hey, it's uh, Marilyn Monroe. She just happened to be in there. That prisoner escaped and locked me in his place. Oh, well, wait a second. Aren't you dead? Yeah, <laughs> and really. about that time, she splashes water on them. Okay. And uh, they're so hurt by this water from their eyes that she's she or he is able to get out of there. And he unmasks his uh, Marilyn Monroe here. and jumps in a Jeep to go back to the PNA headquarters and of course warn them. But he says, Oh, I got to get back into my mayhem disguise uh, after they just ripped it off his face. I'm not sure if he had a second one or what happened there. Maybe it's just the putty or whatever he uses to make a, you know, change, whatever. But here comes uh venom on the scene. And Matt thinks that there's something off. We see Rhino pulling up uh, headlights are even off on this one. <laughs> They see Piranha and Vampire wheeling onto the plaza hall. And we got Matt. He's driving there. We got the Scorpion right behind him. Mm-hmm. And he's shooting at Rhino. And Bruce is saying, Matt, it's a surprise attack. And all of a sudden we get Brad Turner wheeling in on Condor, but the motorcycle version. Uh, and then we got Dagger and Jackhammer riding in. Jackhammer's laying down some gunfire. It actually takes. Uh, Brad off of Condor running. Uh, looks <laughs> so like he the, just left it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see smoke spill still spewing out of the tires. <laughs> Jumped off the thing. Uh, but it looks like they're just getting hammered. You get uh, the next cell has Scorpion just laying it on on Rhino. You got vampire in the chase. You got Raven up in the air. You got outlaw. Looks like he's misfiring. It looks like he's blasted in front of Hurricane, but Hurricane's yeah. actually gotten a good uh, blast at, at Outlaw. And then it seems to have changed uh, Rhino blasting at Scorpion with Bruce saying, get back inside Rhino, Matt, you'll get killed. Well, Matt's out on the tandem car making a little getaway, I guess, to, to make a little hit and run with Venom. And that moves us on to the next page where we got the tandem car with Matt just shooting the crap out of Outlaw. <laughs> At least it looks like, because you got like this vibrating, almost like yeah. zap going on on Outlaw. Yeah, it looks like uh, 
Gory is getting shocked in the cockpit too. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And then mm-hmm. vibration cannons is what he calls it huh. hmm. from the, the tandem buggy. Yeah. So then we got miles trying to climb out of outlaw Matt cease fire, please. It's me. Oh. Yeah. Trying to, trying to portray the, the imposter, you know, but he's got right. the gun bond is <laughs> he's got a gun bond his back. Yeah. Right. But we see what looks like dusty pulling up on Gator, uh, a green Gator. That's, uh, that's actually the, the imposter guy. Remember he jumped in the Jeep after he oh, escaped. I, I missed that. Yeah. I was distracted, but yeah. Anyway. So there we're now down on the final cells of the page, basically saying I can explain and, that's the real Miles Mayhem, and watch out. And we got the other fake one coming around Outlaw uh, with Matt trying to clobber the, the real Miles Mayhem. And that brings us to what looks like a little hand to hand combat here. Yeah, Matt chops the uh, gun out of Miles' hand, but he's like, I don't need a gun to kill you, buddy. He uses the Python mask with those like snake tentacles coming out. And, uh, you know, he's talking about, oh, mask will be leaderless. And Matt phones in uh, Bruce here from the mask. And, yeah, he's like, uh, I got good news and bad news for you. Actually, it's Bruce calling Matt. And uh, the good news is they managed to uh, break through Venom's encirclement here and they're all okay. The bad news is we couldn't hold them. So, of course, they got away. And. So then they, at the end here, were running up to the downed Miles Mayhem on the ground. And Calhoun, who looks like uh, Matt's twin brother here, yeah, he thinks it's uh, they've captured Miles Mayhem when, of course, it's the, the other guy, the impersonator that uh, is laying on the ground. And Mayhem is uh, in the Jeep and laughing as he pulls away. And we get the uh, teaser for the Switchblade conspiracy as the next issue. And that ends this one. So overall thoughts on this story? I guess it was good. It just didn't start out all that, I guess, interesting because you got the the two biker buffoons trying to, Mm -hmm. basically, they're just running amok, doing some petty uh, larceny there. And you have... Mass trying to come in and, and try to save the day, you know, uh, rescue the ship and so forth. And then we start getting into more interesting storyline where we have mm-hmm. the, the the fake Miles Mayhem with a real Miles Mayhem who's been found essentially on the seashore there, mm-hmm. getting taken to the hospital and making it, you know, escape and all that. Uh, we get the call up, which is kind of cool because they do, you know, unlike what we see in the cartoon where it's a single a scorecard. Right. You know, yeah. You got this, at least what looks like a four grid team call up to be ready to go and execute the mission. I will argue that was probably one of the better ones for me in this whole mm-hmm. you know, better layouts is because you got the big screen, which we see the big screen all the time, but you see it more as a, a singular big screen. It's not a multi-use, multi-display right. TV screen like we would think of today. You know, TV screens could have what seems to be not just picture in picture, which you know that was a fad back when we were towards our <laughs> high school days. Yeah, it was. You have it being a multi-display. You see 
thumbnails and all these other displays going on. And that's what I see here. This was high tech advanced. They were thinking this like it could be PowerPoint for all I know. And that's how they did it. But um, anyway, it, it to me, it was just a real nice take on them and HQ and Boulder Hill mm-hmm. preparing for their next battle. What about you? What was your overall thoughts on this? I liked it. I thought it was good. And I, like I said, I'm glad it tied into the first issue. And there was even uh, the editor requesting a, a callback. He's, sometimes the editor will put in little notes uh, throughout the comic to get you to go back and look at issue one if you missed it or something. And it, he tells you, you know, the PNA stands for Peaceful Nations Alliance. So I liked how they put in the little editorial notes to... Uh, to kind of call back to where you need to go to, to learn about, uh, you know, the story and the continuation of it. But I liked how the plot turned, you know, like you said, in mayhem, you're trying to take out venom, but then he turns the whole thing around and then they surprise attack mask. It kind of sucked that they didn't really show how they got out of that situation. Because like you said, in that one panel, they're all kind of cornered and, you know, Bruce is telling Matt to get his butt back in the rhino and right. don't do it. It's suicide. But they didn't really, you know, show the show the action to get out of that whole thing, which we're limited again. But uh, the only thing I was thinking was, um, well, I, I didn't like that they executed the plan in front of the PNA tower right there in the middle of, you know, everything. But I was thinking it was Buddy that was like the master of disguise in the cartoon series. So why wouldn't you maybe use him instead of this random guy from a show that's supposed to be the master of disguise in the plot, in the story, you know, one of the, the mask agents. Right. Instead of this random guy. But that's just something that went through my mind. But I did like, like I said, my favorite panel was the Venom layer with all the vehicles out in front. I did like that one. And I don't know. It's cool that they have their own headquarters in this series. And I did like the the Python snake tentacle shooting out in several of those too. That was really fun. It makes the, the mask a little more interesting, I think, than just having a beam coming out of it, you know. Right. But other favorites, I thought the cover was great and the split. Well, it look, looks kind of split, but I think you're right. It might be a skyscraper on the one side, but uh, Mayhem looks great on the cover. I like how they drew him and just the action I thought was really good. My least favorite, though, was probably the last page, page 22. I didn't like how they drew Bruce. He almost looks like Mo from the Three Stooges. You're uh, right, he does. <laughs> and, and like I mentioned, Calhoun was just a, a doppelganger for Matt. Uh, and having the three agents on the screen is nice. They didn't go through like the traditional call up. And in some of the panels, it looks like Matt is flying Raven. So that's a little bit, was a little bit off for me. Anything that you saw that was a little bit off? Actually, I think you covered it. I didn't really notice that much in comparison to. Okay. Um, in fact, I didn't realize I made my mistake. I was thinking that was still Gator instead of. That um, generic military uh-huh. jeep there. So you putting this one ahead of the first issue? Actually, yeah, I th- it was at least more interesting than the one prior. I agree. All right, so we'll put uh, issue two ahead of issue one, and now we're on to issue three, which is the Switchblade conspiracy. 
Mask uh, actually has the wreckage of Switchblade back at Boulder Hill, and Venom is trying to essentially attempt a rescue before Mask can learn any of its secrets. But uh, a senator actually gets involved, and Mask is forced to turn Switchblade back over to the government. So that's kind of uh, what's going on in this issue. There is some fun uh, letters to the editor on pages 32 and 33. We'll let you guys read through those. And uh, it's fun. I just love uh, some of this feedback to, you know, how to make the story better and what uh, fans were thinking back when this was, you know, initially out in, in an ongoing series. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Real quickly, going through the ads. First, we get the Comics Fan Awards ballad on page two, which you could uh, write in your favorite uh, comic book artist or uh, writer, and uh, they got uh, fan awards. You can send in your ballad. Over on page seven, we're back to the Ertl model kits, and it's uh, more of a cartoonish uh, advertisement. It says bodybuilder up there, and talking about you know your model kits page eight is the new justice league preview and not again we're not up to date on or even can really speak on comic books and uh, especially the superheroes but i didn't realize all these different characters like they'd brought in a new justice league because the justice league i know is uh, saturday mornings you know when we were watching super friends and that was the Justice League, but right. you've got uh, Shazam in here. I do see Batman, and I think that might be the Blue Beetle and Captain Adam, Doctor Fate. I think that is in the corner, and uh, the Green Lantern might be Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. Anyway, some new characters in there that uh, I didn't really remember being part of uh, a new Justice League. So that was cool to see. Uh, of course, we get our regular classifieds, page 13. There's a teaser for a new Spectre comic on page 14. And then all the way over to pages 23 and 24, we get Mile High Comics and their advertisements of what you can buy from them. Then uh, another subscription form on page 29 where you can send in and subscribe to your favorite uh, comics. and then. That's on actually page 29 and 30. There's a uh, sales leadership club form, page 34. This is where you could go out and sell. What are we selling here? Free sales album with uh, cards, notes, gift wraps, stationery, address books, recipe books. Looks like you're, you're trying to sell stuff. And then as you sell things, you have a chance to get some of these items shown so if you sell six items you can get a bigfoot truck model you can if you sell 89 items you get a 10 speed bike you know (laughs) Uh, it's fun looking at some of these prizes here and there's a little am fm (laughs) little uh transistor radio there there's a calculator watch i see over there on the right Wyatt. that you would love to have of course so uh that was a fun ad just to look at and think about. Even you know when we were back in school days, there was stuff that we were selling books or whatever to uh, earn these little prizes. 
And then uh, page 35, 36, the last two pages of the book, you have the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Art, a little advertisement for that. And then M&M's is on the back cover this time. So those are the fun ads in this book. Let's go ahead and uh, kick things off here and see what's going on with the Switchblade conspiracy. Right. Our cover looks like it's uh, it says ambush. And it's exactly that. It looks like it's just an onslaught on Boulder Hill. You got Manta and Vampire in the sky just lobbing missiles. You got on the ground, you got Outlaw, Piranha, Jackhammer, and Scorpion also just, again, lobbing at grenades. I do see what looks like counterfire now coming from Mm -hmm. the... Since Boulder Hill is in its armored mode, you see the guns, the gas tank guns shooting out, mm-hmm. and the large road sign looks like it's been flipped to the guns, uh, at least trying to counter the attack. Uh, but our first episode, or first page rather, reading, you see what looks like Switchblade being put into repair. You know, it looks like it, but, it, but the title is Switchblade Conspiracy. We get the remains of Switchblade going through in a computer examination. This is actually, I'm sorry, I thought this was elsewhere, but this is Mask actually analyzing Switchblade, trying to figure out what they can get from it and basically uncover what secrets it might have. Next page, we got the team just basically conversing that they're intimately aware of or familiar with Venom, but then Dwayne chimes in saying that they think that the Venom team is converging on Washington, D.C., but they're not certain. Well, why are you giving them a target when it could be somewhere else? (laughs) True. So we got the next cell is they're going for the Washington Monument. Matt remembers that there's international dignitaries there. So they believe they need to head out. So he and what looks like Bruce jumps into Thunderhawk and they jettison out, race out rather the the garage door and take off in jet mode and off they go. Following page, we got what looks like Venom going into Washington, D.C. Yep. And uh, they're saying that the Peace Fair is dead ahead. And uh, <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines. Bah, imagine setting aside an entire afternoon to celebrate peace. The very idea is enough to make my stomach turn. <laughs> so. Uh, they tell us the plan, and, and Miles wants to take the statue, the uh, Greek goddess of peace, as kind of a symbol that, yeah, we're going to steal your statue. And, oh, by the way, it's uh, a priceless art, and we'll ransom the PNA for money to get it back. <laughs> so they're at this little uh, fair here, I guess is what they call it. and. As they're going in, I don't know who is saying it. It's either Gory or Mayhem. Venom! Like, you know, like Cobra, whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, I'd never heard that before. But uh, Manta comes in, starts shooting at the ground, and we find out that it's actually sleep gas rockets that she's shooting. And the guards, of course, are taken out, fall asleep. And then the next page, we get uh, Gory taking out a police car. And then we see that uh, Vampire is the one that's going to take the statue away. 
and they're all causing some ruckus there. Daggers got torch activated and uh, flaming up the tents nearby. Anyway, they get uh, the statue out of there and then Mask comes on the scene and just in time here, they're going after him and uh, Matt executes the plan here. They're going to go after the Malloy who has the, the statue and they get up to it. They use the door lasers to cut the cable that he's dragged this thing away with. And as the thing is falling, Matt tells Bruce to use lifter to save it and you know, put it to the ground. And then this uh, senator in his limo, whatever car, is coming up to the uh, peace fair. I guess he's running late and they're on the bridge. And as he comes up, well, (laughs) Venom is barreling right towards him, who is being chased by Mask. So you got Outlaw and Stinger or Scorpion and uh, Piranha being chased by Hurricane, Volcano, and Gator shooting lasers at him. And they do this U-turn in the middle, and he's kind of ticked later. But Miles tells him that they're breathing down our necks here, and he tells Bruno to use Magna Beam to, well, he understands before he even can tell him, he's going to take out the bridge. And then we get this big uh, collapse between the two bridges, and the, the mask agents pull up. That was a close shave, partners, you know, as uh, Dusty pulls up and Matt asks if everybody's okay. And it's the bridge is a pile of scrap. And then here's where we get the senator talking about this altercation here the next day on uh, some kind of news report on television. Right. And the following page is where we uh, get what looks like more of an intimate or onstage viewpoint. It looks like the reporter is getting right to the point and saying that he's not opposed to the terrorism where uh, he's responding that he's he is opposed to the idea of basically undisciplined cowboys with high tech equipment. But he's referring to basically uh, the day before his event there in Washington, stealing the yeah, statue. He's kind of putting mask in their place there. Right. He he wants their help, but he, he doesn't want the, like he says, he wouldn't want the nation's capital turning into the OK Corral. Right. And then we're back at, uh, looks like Venom's hideout. Venom is watching the broadcast, but only at the cost of demolishing a bridge, which will cause millions to re- rebuild and result in traffic for types for months. And now you got Venom chuckling basically about it, that the center is pointing out that the you know the, they're blaming mask essentially right the foul ups and then next page we it looks like we have Rex trying to persuade them to come up with the money to build a brand new switchblade then Vanessa jumps in has lots of explaining to do mask will probably try to salvage the wreck she continues learning about their secrets we kind of go back and forth for a little bit with Sly Rex. Now they're thinking maybe they should steal the wreckage back. Yeah, because so, Mayhem's and Mayhem's out on a what did he say? He's at some uh, conference or something with that Contra World place, so he's not there. And and Rax is essentially trying to take over. Right. So that's what Rax is saying. I mean, we're we're gonna go. Uh, and of course, Dagger. Oh, we are. 
as they're on their way, of course, you got Malloy saying, did Miles authorize this? And you know, I like his Rax, response. Yeah, Rax is basically saying, I don't give a fig whether he authorized <laughs> it or not, Malloy. We're going to go. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. But then also we get then what looks like with Manta, Scorpion, Vampire, Piranha, Jackhammer, and a, a little glimpse of Outlaw heading towards Boulder Hill. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to Boulder Hill where we get the alarms going off. Yeah. Surprised that they knew where Boulder Hill is since it's this, you know, huge secret base. Well, it's not uh, so secret of, at least <laughs> on these comics. Yeah. So Matt calls for battle stations and they convert it to bunker mode as he calls it. And uh, they see that it's starting to change from the outside. Venom does. They must've seen us coming. So they were actually, I don't care. It's just time to open up, and he attacks, and they all attack, shooting rockets, and they see that it's not doing much of anything. Uh, Dagger says he'll get it, but then he gets a dose of this, uh, what do they call it, holographic cannon coming out of the sign, which looks like uh, dragons, and it scares them off. So Matt tells uh, Alex, good work, and I like how... uh, Alex calls him Matthew. Did you notice that as you're reading this? He calls him Matthew several times. Yeah, I've noticed that. That was a little different. Anyway, Venom kind of hightails it out of there. Well, Malloy does try to do something. This is essentially a huge commercial here for Boulder Hill because you get the gas pump guns squirting something onto Outlaw. Looks like marshmallow or something. (laughs) I don't know what it's supposed to be. But... uh, Malloy lands Vampire on top of the Boulder Hill gas station. And there's got to be an entrance up here somewhere. Well, of course, he finds the trap door. Again, huge toy commercial here. And he's down in the prison there inside Boulder Hill. Which is, you know, you say this is an advertisement here, but it really is because not once in the cartoon that I can recall do we ever see a jail ever used at all you know, for, for the headquarters there, it's in these comic books where we see this jail function. Yep. Yeah. We finally get it here. So he's uh, Floyd is mad that he's in there. Let me out of here. Stinger comes up. It gets blasted by uh, what did Matt call it? The gravity gravity howitzer. Yeah. (laughs) So it looks like he pulls uh, stinger up off the ground with this gun and let me down, let me down. And then they let him down. Crash. Smashes the front of the stinger. And then the boulder comes falling down after them. And they pull an Indiana Jones and hightail it out of there with the boulder at their heels. <laughs> Makes a thud. And then, yeah, here's where, ha ha, I dare say we taught those scallywags a lesson this time. Hey, eh, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> anyway. So they get back and they think, well, this is going to make the senator, what's his face, start singing a whole different tune. Well, it really doesn't. He says uh, they're asking him if it's altered his views about mask and all they seem to be accomplishing is an all out mayhem on American soil. So he's still complaining that they're, the battles are going on other than, you know, trying to uh, take care of Venom. Well, they got to take care of him somehow, but. 
he's still after him. Now he learns about the uh, Venom aircraft and he wonders, why haven't they turned it over to the military to examine it? You know, they should have their first crack at it instead of uh, mask. And uh, he tells the camera that uh, he just informed the PNA, unless the remains of the switchblade is delivered to Washington, they're going to pull their funding for the PNA. So Dwayne calls up Matt and Matt's like, we barely begun to do this. We have just done a few scans or something. And then uh, this Colby guy, he's a powerful Senator. So we got to make sure that uh, he gets what he wants. So they force them to give switchblade back to the military. So uh, he's Matt tells them that they're going to transport it there immediately. And then we get the true plan uh, behind this. That's this was a very forward thinking by mayhem, but back at their headquarters, he tells and gives racks, uh, reams racks for this attack because now it's ruined one of his most brilliant schemes. He knew that mask would uh, salvage switchblade. And before he escaped, he set this self-destruct mechanism. And basically once you tear into switchblade, there's some kind of vibration or uh, something that once it triggers, they got 30 seconds before the whole thing blows. And (laughs) thanks to his what he calls pathetic attempt to act like a big shot he could have wiped out mask altogether and now you know it's he might wind up killing a few high-ranking generals and politicians well that's still something but we've got some real danger here so as they're setting up uh all these uh you know the senator and the the military personnel and switchblades in the background there and they're ready to kind of dive into that. Well, then back at Boulder Hill, they discover what mayhem had set. Right. We see what looks like scans or x-ray results from their, their little scan. And that's exactly that. Matt said, tell me what you see. And of course, they get a little closer look. And it was a activated vibratory is what he calls it, detonating mechanism. Matt interjects, saying, it's a bomb. So, of course, Matt <laughs> jumps right back out into... Thunderhawk, which has a blue door now. <laughs> yeah, this was egregious right here. The blue, instead of purple, it's blue and yellow stripes. Wow. They're not straight. But anyway, um, <laughs> they're consistent about a being inconsistent, right? <laughs> Even in the comic books. Uh-huh. So Matt's saying he's got means the Pentagon brass are in real danger, Alex. Put through a priority one call now. And then Matt races off so we're into the alex running past the jail basically forgot about him <laughs> he doesn't forget about him with that bowling ball or whatever <laughs> right i don't understand like because you know that mask has those little pellets, pellets. or whatever but now but it can shoot uh what looks like a ball. bowling <laughs> bowling ball in alex and right, it's funny the one mistake too real quick he shoots him in the stomach, right? You can see it right there. And then later in the comic, it's got a, his head is like bandaged up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So anyway, so Alex looks like he's out, knocked out cold. And we're seeing Matt 
fly in above switchblade. Matt's saying, hey, wait a minute. From here, it looks like they're about to go ahead with it. So Matt, again, looks like he's put uh, Thunderhawk on autopilot and is getting ready to fly down because he sees a cutting torch lit. Uh, Spectrum hand glider capability is my best bet, but he never says the command as he floats down. He's thinking to himself, he's doing an x-ray scan. They've already jarred the, the mechanism, so Switchblade's timer is basically ticking. The military is looking up, saying, hey, Senator, look, it's Matt Tracker. What's he doing? And Matt's thinking, I got only seconds to clear this area out. Then he starts shouting, run, run away from, from here. He keeps shouting in the next cell, saying it's getting ready to explode. Senator can't believe it. It's absurd. And all of a sudden, he's just starting to yell, run, 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 clear away. And then, boom, and Switchblade explodes. Yeah, that was a cool panel. It is a very cool panel. They were back at the not-so-stately mansion or country house. (laughs) And we get Matt checking up on Alex saying, are you sure you're okay? Just had a nasty lump on the noggin. Well, your (laughs) noggin didn't get the brunt of that, at least like you said. Yeah, unless he hit his head against the wall or something. Maybe. (laughs) Matt saying, okay, I'll come down and basically figure out Floyd Malloy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back to the news. Uh, looks like the anchor girl is interviewing the senator again. Essentially, the senator's asked for a full investigation of the explosion. And, and he thinks Matt did it. Yeah. Yeah. He's still. In so I'm reading into this yet, that, but it looks like the senator's in on the Venom team or at least in their back pocket. Could be. So then we move on to the last, what looks like the last few panels. Matt is just getting ready to click it off as it ends, saying, if it weren't for Venom, who'd need click? So Scott walks in saying, hey, Dad. And Matt's saying, you know, what's going on? Scott, I guess, sees the tension in his face, saying, it looks like you're really worried. And, uh, of course, Matt agrees. And that (laughs) ends this issue three. I enjoyed this one. Uh, I like that they keep the storyline going, you know, with each issue and, you know, this is all going back to the first issue when they crashed switchblade into the lake and they salvaged the wreckage there. But this Senator guy, he's like the classic pencil neck character, you know, that gets Mm. involved making the good guys look bad. And it seems to work though. I like the setup of Matt here as an outlaw at the end and teasing for the next issue. So it was good. Like I said, I like the uh, like blowing up there of Switchblade. That panel was good. And uh, overall, I mean, there's still some mistakes with the coloring right. uh, as you're going through here. But some great panels specifically back at uh, Boulder Hill. Uh, it was kind of weird. Some of the weapons that they had, the holographic, you know, whatever, lasers, something that made it look like dragons were coming down on on dagger but i don't know it's inventive and i did like the the panels around boulder hill and that yeah whole uh, encounter what about you anything that stuck out to you well it, it was actually pretty decent the storyline like you said is is good and is building from the last typically what we got from the 80s was very seldom any type of storyline it was usually just something happening next episode something happening but there's no carryover 
Mm-hmm. Anything that followed, really, like you said, there was some coloring inconsistencies, and especially, you know, the blow to the stomach, and yet the guy has a, and Alex has a bandage <laughs> on his head. Yeah, I like that we see a little different clue of what's in Boulder Hill, the jail, for instance. That hologram, mm-hmm. like you said, it just it seems out of place because we're again we're we're comparing it to the cartoon where that road sign reveals one if not two barrel guns you know lasers mm-hmm. shooting out whereas this seems to make it a holographic projector basically a, a bigger version of hocus pocus mask right so, right in a way it's great because there's another angle to that to the defensive posture of boulder hill but to me like you i'm sure there's a disconnect you know you got the comic book yeah. version of mask and then you got the cartoon version of mask so which one is the canon that we're supposed to gauge by (laughs) you and i we keep saying this uh almost on repeat but when we did our script idea we ended up using the cartoon really as our baseline to give us something to build off of the storyline the the meteor that we saw (laughs) the very first episode you know just something that there was a consistency or something to used that was really reflective of what the cartoon was like what we remember as kids yes we took it on a little bit different tangent we gave venom very humble settings matt being the money guy essentially has new and the latest tech available switchblade is a different storyline altogether for us but you know we take it however we want to spin it right yeah that's what this seems to be yeah. Is. And these got, you know, different writers, different people right. involved. So they can do whatever comes to mind. And sometimes it works, but I think you're right. Sometimes there's a disconnect just from, you know, whatever 65 episodes of, uh, of the cartoon series and what they mainly do that's consistent there versus what we're getting here. But, right. Okay. Well, where are you going to put this in our little hierarchy here? Is it enough <laughs> to put it at number one or? Where would you kind of put it in there? I, well, since we've reviewed three, I think that second book was still a number one. I liked it, its I dynamics agree. better than than this one. However, I would say that this one is arguably a, num- a number two, where mm-hmm. the first book that we read just, I don't know, um, I guess it just didn't have the punch that yeah. I was looking for. And again, this is successive, so... Uh, I'm sorry, the books are, uh, the comic books are successive. Yeah. So I see where this is really getting the climax to it, but I still think the second one was a little bit more, had a little bit more to it. I agree. This one. Yeah. So, well, and if you're going to read these back uh, at some point outside of hearing us talk about them, you're probably going to want to start the first book anyway and get the complete story since they are in concession here. I was thinking when we originally came into this that they weren't and there's going to be single issues and stories, but uh, this is fun. But yeah, I agree. We'll put the uh, book two as number one, book three is number two, and the first one is at the bottom for right now. But coming up, we'll be doing uh, issues four, five, and six. Next one is Matt Tracker Outlaw for issue four. The fifth one is called African Nightmare. And then number six is Jakana's Revenge. 
No idea who that is or what that is referring to, but we'll find out, won't we? We will. <laughs> and this has gotten kind of longer than I anticipated, but uh, it's been fun to get back into some mask stories and looking forward to continuing this as we dive back into MaskCast. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, we've missed you guys and want to thank you for reinvigorating us and keeping with us, being loyal listeners and fans. Again, thank you once again. And until next time, he's Jason. I'm Wyatt. And thanks for joining us here on MaskCast.